Guess who's back, back again. It's up in the blue seats. Tell your friends. What's up, Molly? You ready for a new season? I'm so excited for a new season. It was a short off season, but happy to be back. It's Jake Brown, Molly Walker, and of course, our good friend, Larry Brooks, taking you through the off season, looking ahead to the season and the big season opener at the Garden against the Lightning on Tuesday. Do the Rangers have another top three finish in the Metropolitan left in them this year? Molly, Larry will break it all down. It's coming up next on the season preview edition of Up in the Blue Seats from the New York Post. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. Fall Guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Ladies and gentlemen, we ask that you Ooh, welcome back. It's another season of Up in the Blue Seats, our New York Rangers podcast from the New York Post. We're back. It's Jake Brown here, Molly Walker there. Yes, a little bit of a new lineup this season. Of course, Andrew Hart's our producer along with us. We thank Ron Duguay for three tremendous seasons. It was a fun time. Last year, a fun Rangers, really unexpected season, Molly, for this young group, you know, to even get to where they did to the Eastern Conference Finals. We'll see what this season holds, but this year it'll be me, Molly Walker, Larry Brooks every week. We'll have your mailbag questions every week. The subtext group, you know, the texts will be flowing through every week. Molly gets so many questions, she can't handle them all. So take it easy on her. Take it easy on us. Take it easy. Larry Brooks is going to answer your questions. So if you want to ask a question for Molly or Larry, we will be taking them. We'll give you those details as the season goes. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts, new episodes out every Thursday, all season long. Larry's going to join us a bit later in the show to preview the 2022-2023. This year is just flying by season for the New York Rangers. Molly, welcome back. So nice to see your face. You don't have the rug behind you. You're a New York City resident. She's a Jersey. You can't take the Jersey out of a Jersey girl, but I can't see anyone else living in New York like you, Molly. Oh, Jake, it's great to see you too. And it's great to be back. Everybody that I talk to at the rink, everybody laughs and says how short of an off season it was. But obviously for the Rangers, Rangers fans listening, that is a good thing. The Rangers went all the way to game six of the Eastern Conference final before they fell short to the reigning, well, not reigning anymore, back-to-back Stanley Cup champion Lightning team who were then defeated by the Colorado Avalanche. It was a great season last season. Lots of exceeded expectations, um, but not to compare to the high expectations that the Rangers are now facing this season. But yeah, I don't even I don't even know where to start. I feel like, you know, apologies. We haven't had a podcast throughout the offseason, but obviously with our personnel changes, uh, we had to get our ducks in a row a bit. But now we are back in business, ready to go. 
If we're going to start, we could do a quick offseason recap. Um, by quick, I mean really quick. The Rangers lost Ryan Strom in free agency, Kevin Rooney, Tyler Mott, Andrew Kopp, Frank Vetrano, Alex Georgiev, Greg McKegg, Patrick Nemeth, Keith Kincaid, and as of late, Nils Lundqvist, who was just traded to Dallas. Um, but the Rangers did get Vincent Trocek to fill that number two center spot that was vacated by Ryan Strom. He was signed to a seven-year deal. We got Ryan Carpenter, Gustav Rydell, Yaroslav Halak, Louis Domingue, and in a way, the Rangers also got back Vitaly Kravtsov and Sammy Blay. Kravtsov back from his hiatus, leaving for Russia last season after declining an AHL assignment. We'll definitely get into him in a little bit. And Sammy Blay back from an ACL tear that prematurely ended his season and then Jacob Trubo was named captain um, I feel like that's a good place to start good to finally have the seat I think you know some people said how is this not Kreider you know right. that announcement I know we're very late to it yeah. but is that what you expected and, and do you like Jacob Trubo as the captain it is what I expected um, I think that there were rumblings that he was going to be named captain last season but I think a big part of why that didn't come to fruition is because it was Gerard Gallant's first season with the team and in getting to know Gallant, I feel like he wasn't ready to make that big of a decision in his first year. And, you know, naming a captain is a big deal. And I don't think that he was familiar with the guys, familiar with Truba. So I think that they just deferred for a year and went with the six alternate captain approach, which was a huge success from what I can remember. It really did wonders for the team dynamic and they really did buy into it. But everybody had said last season and throughout this off season before um, he was officially named captain that Truba was the captain without the C. And yes, to your point, I know a lot of people feel like Chris, it should have been Chris Kreider just because he's the longest tenured guy on the team, but also because of his actions as well. And I don't think the Rangers, there was no, wrong answer there. They probably could have gone with either, but I feel like Truba wanted it. And I think that's a, a clear distinction. I think, I think Chris could do with it or do without it, just knowing Chris's personality, but Truba, Truba wanted it. And, you know, my mom actually said something to me uh, while she was watching the preseason games recently. She said she thinks that Truba is skating six inches taller with that C on his chest. And I think that that is a very accurate observation by my dear mother. And, and I will happily put that into, into the existence. Astute analysis from Wendy. Wendy's right. still part of the program, despite her, her lover not being here. <laughs> yeah, it's, despite it's her disappointments that, that her, her number one crush is no longer a part of it. But yes, it's true. And I, I totally agree with that. And I think Truba, you know, he's he's kind of a guy that is that did a lot of things behind the scenes for the team. He's kind of the one that's always arranging for team activities. You know, when Adam Fox won the Norris Trophy, he arranged with the league to have the trophy come so the team could celebrate with it. So Truba does those little things. And um, I'm working on a really fun feature uh, on him. I've talked to a lot of his old teammates in Winnipeg and, and uh, Red Berenson, you know, legendary Michigan coach about his one season coaching Truba. So all indications is that this is a long time coming for Truba and he's really matured into, into a real leader here. And, and one that I think is, is going to do good things for, for the Rangers. I also feel like the Rangers felt like they needed a captain to take that next step. I think there's been two teams, two Bruins teams, I think, who have won the cup without a captain, but every other team 
how always has a captain. So I think that's something that they were focused on and they really wanted to do it last season. I mean, we all remember how strict they, you know, they were very assertive in saying they were going to name one, but then they just didn't. So, but I definitely think it was just because Gallant didn't really know the guys that well, but I think, I think Truba is going to do really well in the captain role and uh, he gets to talk to us a little bit more than he probably would like to now. So, but he was doing that anyway last season. So it's all right. <laughs> You'll see Molly, his captaincy. And if he is the guy, because you're back, she's mm-hmm. back in the mm-hmm. locker room this season where you'll get scoops like you won't get anywhere else here on up in the blue seats. Molly, we'll have a weekly segment where you take us inside the locker room, maybe give us a fun little story that maybe you don't see on Twitter. Maybe you don't see in a story, but you'll see it here. Exclusive page six. We're dropping scoops here on the pod. I know you're excited. No more of these virtual zooms. No more of, you know, Gallant yelling at you from the distance at a conference he'll yell at you right to your face (laughs) yeah no it's the locker rooms being open again is just you can't i can't even put it into words how different it is for us for the team too i mean i was joking with keandre miller i was like i've covered you for the last two seasons and i've never shook your hand and introduced myself to you formally and that's a little crazy you know it's just so so formal the press conference settings and then obviously we're not even going to get into what zoom was like it was absolutely brutal but a big part of what i do is developing relationships and what a player says to me is going to be different than what he says to somebody else and i think that's all based on relationships and you know familiarity and things like that and it was a it was a pleasant surprise uh coming into the locker room this season because i feel like i had a rapport with a lot of the players uh having covered them for the last 100% the last season and a little bit the season before as well so i have definitely have the leg up in being a familiar face but Lots of lots of fun stories, obviously. I definitely will we'll get to do um a segment every week. There will be plenty of things for me to choose from, truly. Cause a lot of it is, you know, you're just shooting the shit with some of these guys some got sometimes. And lots and that's language. uh <laughs> no, because that's that's how you have to say it, because that's what it is. You know, it's not hockey all the time, but that's also where the best stories come from. Like I found out Vincent Trocek's wife is a competitive horse rider. Like who who would find that out? Who how would I ever know that? And and now I'm I'm totally trying to go up to that ranch and and do a whole day with his family and take pictures and all that fun stuff. So things like that. I know that uh Jacob Truba asked Trocek to go to a Harry Styles concert with him this summer. So they rocked out to Harry Styles at MSG. Jealous. One of yeah. 15 shows. Well, I was about to say everybody else in New York was there too as well. So yeah, just fun things like that. You wouldn't be able to to find out in just press conference settings. I, I can report that Mika Zibanejad just does the DJing stuff for fun. He's not really <laughs> recording any new singles anytime soon. Artemi Panarin went to visit his grandparents in Russia this summer. I was telling him about how I was moving out into the city and, you know, he was making jokes about how he's too old now to be partying in the city as much as I probably am. So you just really get to to talk to these guys like they're normal human beings. And it's it really helps a lot for the job. It makes it a lot easier for sure. And Molly, you are a pleasant person, easy for these players to talk to, I would think. So <laughs> try uh, to be, you know, you were I didn't, didn't see you at any of the Harry Styles concerts. A little surprised. No. You couldn't make one of the 15, huh? You know, I'm not a 
I'm not a big concert goer, if I'm wow. going to be honest with you. It's just not really my thing. The fun police over here. All no, right. I love hey, If you love it, you know, definitely do it, but not really my thing. <laughs> the king of the concerts, Andrew Hart, is here with us. Can I just say how Artemi told you that he's too old to be partying? In the city? <laughs> he's 30 years old. I know. That's what I said to him. I was like, Artemi, I was like, no, you're not. You know, he was like, he was like three years ago. Yeah, I would. I'd be right there with you. But like, yeah, he's like now nah, I'm, I'm too old i was like come on don't say that about yourself it's so not true <laughs> and the horse riding story is pretty cool i'm coming for that trip yeah. i won't ride the horse because i can't even ride a bike last time i rode a bike i fell off never rode one again oh, God. so uh I, I will come watch but uh you know speaking of guys who aren't old either igor shesterkin isn't too old and he carried this team molly last year obviously he is a major storyline Vezina trophy winner what a season what a guy just, you know, when he speaks English, it's always something cool he says, and it's it's fun to listen to. He's a guy that you'll get to talk to and get to know maybe a little bit more, but he's got a better backup than our old co-host um, <laughs> might have thought of in Georgiev. So he's got a backup, you know, who's got a lot of experience. Uh, this guy's played over 550 games in his career. So, you know, they won't lose sleep for the nights he cannot play. Got to keep him healthy. But Igor Shesterkin, Comeback season, you can't get much better than what he did last year. But, you know, with what happened in the offseason, Molly, and the guys that they lost, it's another huge year coming for Igor. Yeah, absolutely. I think two of the biggest factors that the Rangers' success hinges on is, one, the young kids stepping up into bigger roles and taking on more of an offensive responsibility as well as special teams responsibilities, but also Igor Shosturkin having an encore. And that's the toughest thing to do. You know, you're coming off of Vesna trophy winning season and one that included a very prolific playoff run. It's a tough act to follow, but I feel like Igor Shosturkin is, is, I mean, I said it when they first brought him up, he's a showman. He's built for the bright lights of MSG. Um, I truly believe that. And I think that even though a lot of their success does hinge on him having an encore season, I think that it's not something that he's exactly thinking about, you know, that he has to live up to those those exact stats last season. But I think to your point about uh, having Halak now instead of Georgiev, I definitely think that will help the team dynamic as well. I I felt like I had a, a pretty good understanding of Georgiev just because he was one of the few players that I did get to interact with in a locker room setting before they all shut down. And, and he, you know, he's he's a confident guy. He's a, he's a prideful guy, and I think that he's going to do really well in Colorado. I mean, having that defense in front of him is certainly going to help, and being on a reigning Stanley Cup winning team is going to help. But I think that your give is a number one. I really do. And I think that he'll prove that to a lot of people in Colorado this season. Um, I really liked the Halak signing a lot uh, just because he is a guy that has played the backup role for a good bulk of his career, but he's also been a starter. So I feel like between the experience and just being familiar with the backup roles, he's played with other elite goalies, Carey Price, Tuka Rask. Like he knows what it's like to be around elite talent. It's not, it's nothing new for him and it's nothing new to be in a number two role. So he's one of the guys that I actually haven't gotten around to talking to one-on-one yet, but I'm looking forward to doing that and just picking his brain on, you know, 
what he thinks a backup goalie's mentality has to be and those types of things. I think it'll tell us a lot about him as a player and him as a person as well. But yeah, no doubt, huge encore season upcoming for Igor Shosturkin. It's an absolute need. Um, and I'm very excited to see what Halak does in the number two role. And even Louis Domingue. Just faced him. We, we just saw you. He can't. Yeah, exactly. Who dominated the headlines with his uh, spicy beef and broccoli uh, story, which uh, I feel like you, you hate fun if you don't like that story. He's another guy I didn't get to talk to before he went down. But barring injuries, of course, I think that I mean, because they lost they lost Kincaid, too, to the Bruins and free agency. So they needed once those two guys left, Igor was the last goalie in the organization with NHL experience. And that's a tricky that's a slippery, slippery slope there. So jury knew he needed to go out and get two NHL caliber goalies. And I, I really think that that they did that. And I mean, you can't mention Halak without mentioning the fact that he was an absolute ranger killer um, before he arrived on Broadway. So he had tremendous numbers against the Rangers, five shutouts, I believe. And I actually I was talking to uh, Mika and Chris about it. <laughs> I mean, Chris said, if you can't beat him, sign him. And that was a great quote. But I think that they also said, Mika said that the last guy that he could think of that tormented them like Halak did, he compared it to Artemi Panarin, which, you know, that's that's pretty good company to be in. And uh, Chris's mind actually went the same way. He was like, I can't think of a player who, you know, tormented us like Halak did. And I was like, well, Mika said Artemi. And he said, yes, Artemi was definitely one of them. So that's pretty good company for Halak to be in that these Rangers stalwarts think of him as a guy that's just constantly tormented them throughout the years. So yeah, now you can just hope he could torment opponents and not the Rangers, you know, once every two weeks, you got to factor in Igor had the you know biggest season of his life and also the longest. He rode an entire playoff run. He played more games than he's ever played. You have to think that sets him up nicely for another great season here because he knows the fatigue factor. He knows he's going to get gassed up. He knows mentally how to get to where he needs to be. And this is going to be an, another big season for him. I think he may, I think he's going to win another Vezina. There's my Ooh, prediction. Ooh, that's a he, hot take right there. Goes back to back. I just think mentally he's going to be there. And as long as he stays healthy, but like you said, you get a guy like Domingue. If he goes down, Domingue becomes your backup. You're in a much better place than you were last season. You know, that's not a question mark, but what is what entering Tuesday's season opener against the lightning and what should be a raucous Madison Square Garden? How about that? And that was set up perfectly by the schedule gods there. And I assume they did that purposely, of course, you know, Eastern Conference Finals rematch. What is your biggest question mark, Molly, here heading into the season opener Tuesday? Well, I think for the Rangers now at this point, with the way that the lineup has kind of shaken out and, and Gerard Gallant said that the last two preseason games that those are going to be the lineups that are going to be the closest to what we can expect to see on opening night. So as of right now, you've got Zach Jones kind of penciled in next to Braden Schneider, but you could you should definitely go read Larry Brooks's recent article about he does have a little bit of of obstacles in front of him in terms of getting on the power play, and that's his bread and butter. So that's a question mark there that could maybe leave him off the roster, but we'll see. How dare Larry write about the UMass product and not you? How does that work? <laughs> no, I was going to say, I think I've written way too many words about him. It was about time for Larry to, to take on some of that. <laughs> of course, I'm unbiased. But otherwise, I would say that the number, the two top questions on my mind are who the last remaining forwards are going to be. 
Um, it seems like it's it's a, a race to the finish line between guys like Carpenter and and Rydell and VC and Hunt. I guess you could throw Gautier in there too. Gautier has had a pretty good camp, but a lot of it is going to come down to numbers. A lot of it is going to be a cap crunch here and how they want to set themselves up going into the season with a cushion heading into the trade deadline so that they could potentially make moves at that point in time as well. So, and Gallant said it literally said the words, it's going to be a numbers game. So that could play a part, a major part in it where they won't be able to just pick the guys that they really want to. It it will be a numbers game as well. So we'll see how that ends up shaking up. And then as well as who is going to play on the right wing of the top line, That I feel like was a question coming into camp. And I feel like it's a question that has still yet to be answered during camp. We've seen four guys there in that spot. Kako's gotten a look. Blay has gotten a look. Goudreau has gotten a look. And now Jimmy VC has gotten a look. And obviously Jimmy VC is on a PTO. So he's not even under contract. So he is playing for a contract here. And he's done, he's made it pretty hard for them not to cut it, to cut him. They, he really has. He's got entering Wednesday's game against Boston. He's got three points. He's got a goal, two assists. He had like a game-saving play at the end uh, of one of the games. He's he's had a really, really good camp and he, and he really hasn't given them any reasons not to sign him. But we all know Gerard Gallant loves Dryden Hunt and there's no reason not to like Dryden Hunt. Dryden Hunt's a good worker and a hard worker and plays a different style, but it's just, it's all very up in the air. And I, I think there's a good chance Lafreniere could start there for opening night on October 11th, who hasn't gotten a look during camp, but he played there a bit at the start of last season. Uh, I just don't think any of those guys have have done anything to to really snatch up that job. And, and I think that they don't really know what they're going to do yet. Um, so I'm very curious to see how that ends up playing out. But that's a that's a pretty big question mark uh, for a team that is so top heavy. You mentioned PTO. I, I need some PTO. Once this Mets season's over, I'll, I'm going to need my own PTO uh, if I could ever get it at some point. All right, Molly, you gave us the big storylines. You talk goalies. We talk locker room. Let's just get to the nitty gritty. Preview the season. Where does this team finish? Do, you know, do they get to the playoffs? Give us your predictions for the season. I definitely do. I think they'll finish among the top three in the Metro. I do think that. But also something to point out is they were so lucky with injuries last season. The luckiest. And that is not something that happens often. And when you look at the lineup on both sides, up front and on the back end, one or two injuries, and they are very, very close to being a a skeleton of a lineup. They really are. So I think that that could be a problem if it is something that they run into this season. But if they do have the same kind of luck, Igor Shosturkin has an encore season. Again, it's a lot of things have to go right, but they certainly have the capability of doing it. You know, they're 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 coming off of tremendous season. I feel like the confidence is at an all time high, especially for a lot of those young guys. Keandre Miller is going to be a problem this season. Braden Schneider is also projected to take another big step. And, you know, it's kind of just going to fall to Lafreniere, Heedle, and Kako on also taking another big step. But I feel like they're set up to do it. They have the same bones as they did last season. Really, the biggest 
difference is no Ryan Strom, but they picked up Vincent Trocek. And I think that that could be beneficial for the team, not only on face-offs, which is great, but also just in the way that the top six plays and the way that that second line with Panarin and potentially Kravtsov could have a dynamic. So it, it'll be interesting to see, but I think they should finish in the top three. Uh, I don't know if we're going to, are we going to go all the way into playoff prediction? Do you want to just say they're going to win the Stanley Cup and get fans <laughs> ready to run through a brick wall right now? Do you want to say No, it? that was Ron's job. And okay. I'm sorry, I'm not here to do we'll that. Keep it real with us. <laughs> no, I mean, there's definitely, you know, there's, they're in the conversation. They are totally in the conversation. But I think that this is such a tricky season because you're coming in with such high expectations coming off such a prolific season with such great success that it's it's a tough act to live up to. Um, but I think that'll we'll learn a lot about this Rangers team because of that. I'm going to say 50 wins, second place in the Metro, and they win the Eastern Conference. I'll, I'll bring the uh, the fan There you end. go. You can wins. take that on. You can take you know, that on. I, think, I just think Igor going through what he had to go through, he's mentally, he's ready for this right now. Again, everything, it, as every sport, it comes down to injuries. You're right. They got so much luck. They didn't have many injuries. They get Sammy Blade back. Hopefully he stays healthy, but obviously injuries are going to play a part. But I'm saying they go to the finals. I'm not going to say they win because that might be a little crazy. I'll say they win the Eastern Conference, the Gardens, rocking again. Andrew Hartz, give us your prediction before Larry Brooks joins us and we get to your questions, which Molly and Larry will answer. Hartz, give us your prediction. I like Molly's prediction of top three in the Metro. I think that makes the most sense. I feel like they have a squad that learned off of last year. It's such a young squad and, and guys, it's all about experience in this league. And like you said, they got lucky with injuries. They went through hell against the uh, the Penguins. They went through hell against the uh, Hurricanes. And once they got to Tampa Bay, it, was just, it really was just running on fumes at that point. But my my bold prediction is that they're back in a conference finals. And, you know, mm. at that point, we'll see what happens. I think that Drury has a tight cap to work with. And, you know, you think about what he did at, at the deadline last year, picking up some key pieces in Cop and Vetrano. But at this point, I like the skeleton that they have here. Now it's just a matter of staying healthy getting that encore. And um, if they're able to do that again, conference final top three in the Metro, let's do it. Conference final Molly pleads the fifth. I say they win the East. Well, that was a fun opening segment. We'll be back every Thursday, of course, but joining us next and up in the blue seats, we go to our hockey hall of fame writer, Larry Brooks. Next. I like funky, weird things that no one would ever wear. It's another season and it's another segment with, you know, me and Hearts talked to some fans at watch parties and they said their favorite part of the show. Sorry, Molly. was when Larry Brooks was on. So we get to get joined every week by him. He's the New York Post Hall of Fame hockey writer covering the Rangers and everything NHL at the New York Post. Read his columns at NYPost.com and in the newspaper. Follow him on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Larry, you guys are back. Larry and Molly, that that sounds like a show on Showtime or something. We need to make that happen. It How really could be. I mean, it really could be. How many years have you been covering the NHL? What is the number at this year? I, I started in 76, 77, but, but there was a, there was a, uh, 11-year gap where I worked for the Devils. My I think that's 45. Year. If you include those years, it looks like 45 years, Larry. If you say so. <laughs> Four, 40, Molly, that's, that's negative. You were negative 23 when, when Larry started. Uh, we're How glad lucky am I? Yeah, I mean, you, you guys are back and picking your road trips. I'm sure Molly's choosing Vegas and all the fun Actually, cities. Actually, no. Larry's taking Vegas. Wow. Oh. Got Cal- Molly has got California. Yeah, but I'm going to Cali for the first time. Very excited about Larry that. at the blackjack tables. How about that? I love to see it. Uh, Larry, biggest question mark for this Rangers team heading into the season. 
Uh, well, I think overall the biggest question mark is will the team be able – how will the team respond to expectations? That's an umbrella under which they're playing this year. Last year, there were very few expectations. I, I don't think anyone quite knew what you know what was coming. There was, there was a new coach. There was a new general manager. Slightly new philosophy. More blue collar. So anything they did last year was a surprise. The run they went on um, has certainly set a set a platform for them for this year. But this year's team is now going to have to live up to expectations created by last year's team. And it's it's a different group. Uh, you know, we, you know they've, they've lost three of their top six. They're going to have to fill in, in in key spots in their top six. So I think that's overall. W- will this team be immune to the outside expectations that will be attached pretty much from game one this year, I think? And secondly, just from a, you know, from a team standpoint, Who's going to play up on the top line? Who is playing with Kreider and Zibanejad? And secondarily, can Kravtsov keep that spot with Panarin and Trocek? So you have two question marks on the right side on their top six. And I, I think that you'd like to have that a little bit more settled. You know, they're they're doing a lot of experimenting in, in training camp and through this preseason. So I look at them and, and those are the questions. That's really the question. Who's going to play in the top six? Will their top six be able to generate enough offense? And will they be a better five-on-five team with the puck than they were last year? And, you know, their their five-on-five production was not good last year. It was toward the bottom of the league. It improved somewhat at the trade deadline, but the guys they got at the trade deadline are not here. So, you know, it's it's not it won't be a bonus if 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 the younger players produce. It's a necessity. It's a necessity for them that Alex Lafreniere and, and Philip Hedel and and, and Kako and, and Kravtsov contribute. And they're not there as as placeholders. So, you know, there there are questions, but look, they're um, they're a strong team. They, they've got good fiber. I, I, I really like their D. And they start out with one of the best two or three goalies in the NHL, which is their huge advantage. It's their huge edge, but you don't want to uh, leave it all to Igor the way they, for so many years, left it all to Hank. You know, <laughs> you know, Lundqvist was able to handle it, but they never won, right? You know, I, I don't think they want to place as much of a burden on Shesterkin this year as they did last year. I don't know if it's fair to expect him to come in with a, you know, he, he was in the 940s and save percentage until the final few weeks of the season and, and wound up in 935, I think, which is, you know, I, I think the third best all time for a goalie who had started 50 games. So, again, even if he gets to 935, you know, can you expect him to get to 935? So, they, they have to take a little bit of the burden off of uh, Shesterkin. They need to play with the puck more on the other end. They need to be better five-on-five offensive team, but I think they come into the season as as a as a solid unit. You just kind of touched on it, and we were talking about it a few minutes ago about the top line and who is going to play in that right-wing spot. So it's a good segue into one of our subtext questions from Jonathan Moore. He says, the first line right-wing is a revolving door. Why? Was Pavel Buchnevich really that hard to replace and who is the best option, you think, at this point? Well, Pavel Buchnevich would cost five. Let's say Pavel Buchnevich signed for the same deal in New York if they hadn't traded him as he signed in St. Louis. So it's $5.8 million. Explain to me where the $5.8 million is coming out of the Ranger cap. 
I, everybody, everybody knew that Buknevich could play. Everybody knew that Buknevich could play up there. And and I've been thinking about this too. Could they have worked it out? Could they have not to relitigate the whole the whole matter? What would they look like with Buknevich? And they had signed actually Barkley Goodrow right ahead, before they traded Buknevich. So if they weren't going to trade Buknevich, they probably wouldn't have traded for Goodrow. And if you remember, everyone believed that that's exactly the kind of player the Rangers needed a Barkley Goodrow kind of player. They needed to do more, they needed to diversify. They were too. Genius. I mean, you know, we've gone, you know, we've gone through that for you know, for two or three years. They were just so homogeneous. And so they needed to bring in more grit, more sandpaper, you know, use every cliche. So you probably wouldn't have Barkley Goodrow, but then you pro- you wouldn't have either Heedle or Kako because you've got to get to 5.8. And then you you probably, you know, then you wouldn't have any space under the cap with that 5.8. So pay Keandre Miller coming up. You know, that's on point because you're not only trying to fit Buknevich into this year's team, you'd be fitting him into next year's team and the year that in the team two years after where Keandre Miller, Lafreniere are going to be coming up on second contracts. Heedle you know, if they want to keep him, he's coming up on another contract. So let's put the Buknevich issue to rest. Who is the best fit there? I think probably Lafreniere. I know, me too. And, you know, you know what, what What strikes me is the fact that they came into training camp, I think, wanting to play Blay up there because of his size, because of his speed, because he, he, he brings a little bit of a different element to that line than they've ever had before. Uh, Buknevich was a certain kind of player when... When they got Vetrano, they they moved him up there immediately, and Vetrano was a shooter. He is not is neither Buknevich nor Vetrano. You know, he's he is a big guy with some speed, who's a four checker, hits. You you'd expect him to be a, a puck retriever, work the walls and and work the dirty areas. But what's interesting to me is that they went away from it so quickly. I was going to say three days, I think it was. Right. I think he had one game. With one him. game. And so if they were planning on going with him, you'd think that they would have stuck with it a little bit so he'd get more reps. So so Mika and and, and Kreider would have more reps with Blay. It, it doesn't look like it's going to be Blay. You could always plug in Barkley Goodrow, but he's a, he's a bottom six player. They seem to be a bottom six player. Yeah, the Rangers are at their best when he's in the bottom six. Right, he's, and, and I think they're actually at their best if he's on the fourth line, although you can argue maybe third because there's a little more. I think fourth line too. Yeah, so I mean, I think they're at their best. If they can construct a lineup with Goodrow as their fourth line center, I think that's their best team. But they have to be able to fill that spot on, on you know at the top. So, yes, you could get by with Goodrow for you know a couple of games, but I don't it, you know it doesn't seem to be a solution. Even last year, you know they had Kako injured, they didn't have Kravtsov, Blay was out, and Goodrow only played up there eight games out of eighty. You know, no one no one thinks he's the answer up there. Bottom six players are bottom six players for a reason. You know, they have certain abilities, they have certain talents that lend themselves to being bottom six. That's why even, uh, you know, thinking of Jimmy Vesey up there, he's a little more talented. But Jimmy Vesey hasn't been a top six player since his second year in New York. And he, I mean, he just hasn't been. And uh, further to that point, he has talked about how he knew after the COVID year in, in Canada, where, where he said he described it as just a miserable experience because he was up in Canada by himself, locked down. You know, he, he said it was just an awful year. But he recognized as a player 
that he was going to have to reinvent himself as a fourth line player. And he, and he even invoked Tyler Mott and saying, look, I, I know that they really valued what Mott did here. And I think I can be that same kind of player. I think we have a lot of uh, yeah. PK specialist, right. pesky and, player. And, and skate. I mean, you know, Jimmy Vesey can skate. Here's Jimmy Vesey advertising himself as a fourth as line a fourth. player. <laughs> and he's getting a look on the first line today. So, so I, I'm not sure. I Again, I, I advocated over the summer for the team to start the kid line together. I, I like them intact. I, I think they're comfortable with each other. And I think it gives them a really good third line. But I, but I, I suspect that they're going to have to get off of that. I, I, I suspect that Lafreniere is going to play right wing on the top line. Sooner or later, it's going to be his job to keep or or not be able to keep whether Kravtsov can keep this you know the the spot with Panarin and Trocek I don't know you might see Kako up there and then who is Philip Hedl going to play with I don't know you know they have a lot of players but they are searching for top six right wings Larry we'll do one or two more from the mailbag here Robert Hanley says reading Molly you and Ethan this preseason not getting much positive vibe on Kravtsov do we think he will get a full year up with the varsity if he continues to be mediocre? And if no, can he be sent to the AHL or would he go back to the KHL? I wouldn't leap to too many conclusions off a week and a half of training camp. Different players are doing different things at camp. I'm not sure whether Kravtsov's been told just, you know, he's trying to acclimate himself to the small rank. He's doing a lot of work with Panarin late in practices and after practices. I think the, the question's a little bit premature. I think they're going to give him every chance to hold that spot. They want him to succeed. They need him to succeed. Yeah, they do. They, they, they need him to succeed. If it doesn't work out, he has to go on waivers. And I suspect somebody would claim him. So Exactly. And I think they would try and listen, if it doesn't work out with him, I would I would imagine they would try and trade him first before they put on players. And I think they'd probably get something back for him. Absolutely. I don't know what that would be, but I, I think we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, you know, stamping him as a disappointment. I don't think he's got a great training camp, but again, I, I'm not sure exactly what his program is. It's been an interesting training camp to watch because you know, the first day, basically, the coach said, I don't really care about the first four games. Practices don't really mean. <laughs> yeah, I know. He's so I, funny. I, He's so funny like that. I don't I don't care about this at all. It doesn't mean anything. Like, I, I, do. I, I think they wanted to get to this point without any injuries, in good health. And then they were going to like the last four or five days. Yeah, really be, hammer it out. Be, be crystallized. They may have told Kravtsov, don't worry. I just want you to work on this. Just you work, you do, you work on your own pace. These games don't count. So I, I wouldn't be uh, hypercritical of, of Kravtsov. I, I agree with you that I don't think that he's had necessarily the most impressive camp. He's not turning heads or anything in the games that he's played or even in scrimmages, practices. But to Larry's point, he has spent a lot of time with Panarin, which is a good sign. And I also feel like for him coming into this camp, especially considering what happened last season, I think the biggest thing for him was to show that he was committed to this team. And he did. He came to New York very early, which was on his account, it seems. And they were very appreciative of that. And that spoke volumes to them. So I think that those are the types of things that he needed to be doing this camp. And I think that that's what he's focused on. So I agree that I think it's a little bit premature to evaluate him 
because I think that the number one thing for him this camp was showing his commitment and he's done that. So at the very least, he's showing that he wants to be here and he's committed and and that he's, you know, putting his all into the Rangers. Yeah, I think yeah, that's a good point. Let's get your prediction for the season, Larry. What, what do you got this year? What what we won't say win total yet, but do the Rangers go on another run in the Eastern Finals? Where do they finish in the Metropolitan? Give us your outlook. Well, I'm not going to talk about the playoffs. <laughs> You know, honestly, because I wouldn't touch it either. <laughs> you know, I, I, you know I, because what is, tell me what their team is going to be the day after the trade deadline. And then I'll tell you and tell me what every other team is going to look like the day after the trade line, deadline. And I will uh, and I'll have a better idea of, of whether they'll go on a run or not this year. But I think this is going to be a more challenging season for them than last year. I think they might be a better team. But I don't expect the East to break the way it did last year, where essentially by the middle of December, you knew the eight teams that were going to be in, teams that were going to be out. And the Rangers essentially had clinched the play, you know, effectively to clinch the playoff spot by Christmas. I don't expect that to happen this year. I think there'll be some challenges for them this year. I think they're a playoff team. I think they're going to be, you know, strong defensively. They have to, they, you know, they have to eliminate some of the mistakes. They have to eliminate the turnovers. They have to create more five on five without without leaving too much on the on the other end. But I think it's going to be a battle for them this year. I, I do. I, I think that with the added responsibility on on the younger players again, you know, there there's going to be ups and downs. You know, I, that's what I expect. I, I, I expect guys now who are counted on to go through some some hot streaks and 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 then fall off. Um, I think it'll be a playoff team. I think it'll be a battle. I suppose that Carolina is the best team in the division. So, and and I don't think the Rangers will be there with them. But I didn't think they would be last year either. And and down to the last week of the season, they had a chance to finish first. You know, and Carolina's made some changes. So, uh, you know, I think the Rangers are a playoff team. I think they'll be a top three team in the division rather than a wild card. But I but I think it may take, you know, but but I, I don't think they'll be comfortably in the playoffs in, in January. Like they were last season. But, you know, I, I think it's going to be, uh, I think it's going to be, I think there are going to be some challenges ahead for them. There it is, Molly. He still said top three. You know, he keeps it real. He keeps it 100. That's why the fans love him. But he still says top three. So there is positivity there. And I just give myself a pat on the back that I had the exact same. I said the exact same thing. <laughs> that's that's why you guys need, you know, learning from the best thing. over here. <laughs> yeah. Well, Larry, you'll be back in the locker room. I know Molly's pumped. Are you you pumped? You know, you've developed relationships for the last four decades. That's like a, a different aspect to reporting that really takes you inside, you know, what these players are thinking. Oh, well, listen, the last couple of years, it was not fulfilling. <laughs> it just it just was not. And uh, you know, not a big Zoom guy, huh, Larry? I'm not a big Zoom guy. But but listen, who is, who, you know, who wants to sit there and have everyone have the same material? Oh, it's the worst. And you couldn't get, you know, there, I, I, you know, early in, in camp, I, I, I passed Kendra Miller as he was leaving the rink or, or he was going to the locker room. And I introduced myself to the guy. I, I you know, I covered him for two years. <laughs> and, you know, I had actually met him the night he was drafted, but I doubt he remembered that. And and so, you know, I was I'm introducing myself to players who I have covered for two years without locker room access. The only way you can get to know guys, e- even you know, even minimally, is by having conversations with them. You know, and it's it's the fulfilling. It, it's where you do your work, develop relationships, you have conversations. It's not 
question, question, question. It's conversation and, and getting to know a guy and, and just sitting down next to a guy and, and you know, asking him how his day was and, and just, you know, discussing, you know, life away from the rink. And, and you know, I'm, I've known Mika, obviously, for, you know, for a number of years. But the other day we were uh, when we were in Kingston, you know, he was he was actually asking me where I lived. And, you know, we, we were just talking about our daily routines and that was something that you couldn't do for the last couple of years. So I'm, you know, I am uh, um, energized by it. I, I really am. Maybe in, in two months, you know, I can't resume. But, but uh, you know, it, it's our job. That's it what brings the competitiveness back to what right. we do as right. well. Right. It's right. everything. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 it's everything. It's, it's, uh, it's the job I have, I have enjoyed for, for, as you have reminded me, for more than four decades. <laughs> so no, it's, it's, uh, you know, you, you know, it's fun to go to the rink. It is. It it's is. To to the rink. Last it year, is. I'm practice. All right. It was okay. I mean, it's, you know, it's, 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 it's always okay to be at the rink. But then you would go and you'd sit in the room and and players would would come out to sit at the podium. Regurgitate the same quotes. Exactly. And, and, you know, guys aren't relaxed up there. Um, You're not going to ask particularly personal questions. Tough questions. You know, know, if if you have a thought, you're not going to give it away in a question. So, you know, it's, um, you know, it's, it, it is, it's, it's a lot of fun going to the ring. And Larry Brooks and Molly Walker will have those scoops from inside the ring. My two favorite range of reporters follow Larry on Twitter at NYP underscore Brooksy. Read his stories in the post at nypost.com. Larry, thanks for coming back this season. We're glad to have you and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Well, as long as the contract is there. <laughs> <laughs> keep paying and keep coming back. Thanks, Larry. Thanks. I think he's just the epitome of not being a one-trick pony. All right, Molly. Larry Brooks always brings the insight, and, you know, he sounds chipper. He's back in the locker room. I think he's pumped about that because as an old-school guy, you know, you're used to Zooms. Larry's not used to Zooms as much. You know, you combine me and you together, and I don't know if we were hit Larry's status in covering the NHL. So that old-school feel, Larry was pumped up about that. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think it was really fun to to get Larry on the show and to talk to him because I just feel like it's Larry and I have just been nonstop talking about all the time dynamics in the locker room, the team, just our thoughts and everything just between the two of us for the last week and a half. So it was kind of nice to get it out on a platform and uh, field some questions from Subsex followers as well. It was really nice. And you had mentioned earlier, Mika, the DJ, we might in between periods, you know, Tao (laughs) and the Garden partner, we have Paulie D there is is Mika Mika D Mika Z is, <laughs> no is way. Mika Z gonna be DJ no. after the first period one. I night? actually felt really bad when I mentioned that to him because he was like everybody's been asking me that, but I was like, you know, th- we have such few starting points for talking, you know, for conversation points. You know, everybody obviously knew that he had that DJ phase and he was really into it for a while. So it was just kind of a natural starting point. But he was like, everybody's asking me about that. I just kind of do it for fun. Like he doesn't really have the time to do it anymore. But it's, it's all the good stuff that come with the locker room conversation. Mika will be getting the aux cord on any road trips. That That's the plan. That wraps up episode 96, the Emerson Attack. Semi edition of Up in the Blue Seats, our Rangers podcast from the New York Post. 
Thanks to Andrew Hartz for helping me out and producing the show. Hartz, how do we do? You know, it's obviously a new lineup this season, as many people listening may notice. How was uh, you could be our Tony Reale today? How do we do? I think you're you're getting there, Jake. And I think that's that's at the help of, of Molly. Molly obviously knows her stuff. And Larry, you know, he's he's just a goat. But Jake, I, I, I feel like one more season of being at the Garden a lot. You're just about there for being a, a true Ranger fan. I'm good at lobbing it. And Molly, the queen of the post, just finishes. She just throws the dunk down. I, I just throw up the alley-oops and Molly closes it. You can catch up on all episodes of Up in the Blue Seat. Subscribe. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google, Amazon, wherever you get podcasts. Give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts and write a nice review on Apple and Spotify. Please do follow us on Twitter at Molly Walker. That's two E's, two R's. Not one E, one R. You might find another Molly Walker who took that Twitter name away from her. And you can follow me at Jake Brown Radio. Follow Larry at NYP underscore Brooksy. Also subscribe to the New York Post Sports YouTube page. You can see our beautiful faces, the ring lights shining on us, blinding us out. On the New York Post Sports YouTube, you can get full episodes of Up in the Blue Seats there. From Molly Walker, Andrew Hartz, and Larry Brooks, I'm the podfather, Jake Brown. We'll return. New episodes of Up the Blue Seats podcast every Thursday, all season long. We'll also have plenty of special Rangers guests this season. So stay tuned. Check Twitter. We'll let you know who the guests will be. Thanks, everybody, for tuning in to our season preview episode. Enjoy Rangers Lightning at the Garden on Tuesday. We'll talk to you fine folks next Thursday right here on Up in the Blue Seats. Stay safe, everybody. The showdown, the nice matchup. This thing could get tight. 